For the fifth year in a row, Governor Tony Evers marked the start of Pride Month by raising a pride flag above the Wisconsin state capitol. It's Friday, June 2nd. This is Wisconsin Today. Good morning, I'm Alex Crow. Coming up, Rich Kramer reports on a new lawsuit against the town of Lac de Flambeau over roads that cross through reservation property. And Sean Johnson has the latest from the ongoing budget negotiations at the state capitol. Stay with us. You know you can count on WPR for news that's important, music that makes your day better, and conversations that make you think. We hope you'll make a financial contribution to support the radio service you rely on. And in fact, we count on it. The single largest portion of our budget comes from listener support. If you're not a member yet, make a gift of any amount today at WPR.org. Thank you. For the fifth year, an LGBTQ pride flag will fly above the state capitol to mark the month of June. Anya Van Wagtendonk reports on the Pride Month ceremony at the capitol. Governor Tony Evers became emotional as he spoke about what the rainbow flag will symbolize above the capitol building. Raising the pride flag today sends a message for all those who've only ever wanted to belong, who've had to find their own family, who've never known home, you belong here. You are family here. You are welcome here. The governor said June 1st is one of his favorite days because it's a chance to celebrate diversity in Wisconsin. But he also acknowledged challenges, including hateful rhetoric and a mental health crisis that can especially affect LGBTQ kids. Anya Van Wagtendonk, Wisconsin Public Radio. U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin has introduced legislation to remove Wisconsin wolves from the endangered species list. Baldwin's bill would expand the definition of Minnesota's wolf population, which is currently listed as threatened, to include animals in Wisconsin and Michigan's Upper Peninsula. It would also create a committee made up of wolf experts, members of tribes, and state agencies. They would draft a delisting plan. Colette Adkins is with the Center for Biological Diversity. She says Wisconsin's February 2021 hunt proves the state cannot be trusted to protect wolves. More than 200 wolves were killed in three days under state management. Absolutely, if they ever want to have protections removed, they need to show that they're capable of doing it and not condoning such a brutal slaughter of those wolves. Despite the rapid killings, the DNR has said the state's wolf population is stable. Republicans on the legislature's budget committee approved a $2.4 billion state building plan last night. As Sean Johnson reports, it left out funding for some key projects at the University of Wisconsin. The $2.4 billion approved by GOP lawmakers was considerably less than the $3.8 billion capital budget proposed by Democratic Governor Tony Evers. UW projects accounted for a big part of that difference. Republicans spent about half of what Evers budgeted. But Republican Representative Mark Bourne of Beaver Dam said it would still represent one of the largest capital budgets in years. There are certainly worthy projects that don't make it every time, but there are a ton of worthy projects in this capital budget. Projects funded include a new Veterans Museum and a UW-Madison sports complex. 
but Republicans didn't fund a new UW-Madison engineering school, which the UW system said was its top priority. Sean Johnson, Wisconsin Public Radio. The federal government is suing the town of Lac de Flambeau. It claims the town has knowingly trespassed for years on land owned by the Lac de Flambeau Band of Lake Superior Chippewa. Rich Kramer has more. The suit alleges the town refused to renew expired right-of-way agreements for four roads crossing reservation property. It says the town encouraged non-tribal homeowners not to speak with the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Members of both the town board and tribal government did not respond to requests for comment. The road easements expired between 2011 and 2018. In late January, the tribe blocked the roads for more than a month after negotiations over road access payments broke down. The suit is asking a judge to declare the town broke federal law and award unspecified monetary damages. If a negotiated settlement between the tribe and the town isn't reached, the federal attorneys want a judge to permanently prohibit the town from occupying or using the tribe's lands. Rich Kramer, Wisconsin Public Radio. A Nebraska voting company will be allowed to sell new electronic voting systems in Wisconsin. The State Elections Commission approved a plan yesterday that allows election systems and software to sell new voting equipment to local governments in the state. Kyle Weber is with the company. He says the new machines are updated versions of old systems already in use in Wisconsin. The position a lot of the counties have found themselves in is they bought systems as far back as 2015. They bought computers, they bought servers. Those are now getting to be up to eight years old, starting to see, you know, some hardware issues, as you might imagine. Commission staff said the proposal met state and federal standards over three mock elections. They say the system can run a transparent, fair and secure election. The voting machines have updated security systems that includes a feature that locks down a hard drive if anyone tries to tamper with it. Coming up. We've got a Wisconsin life story about one family's song traditions. Stay with us. Thank you to the donors who make Wisconsin Public Radio possible. There are more than 50,000 of you. Your generosity delivers essential news, thought-provoking conversations, and inspiring music to listeners all over Wisconsin and beyond. Your support makes a difference in people's lives every day. Thank you. And finally, it's time for Wisconsin Life. Here's producer Brad Kohlberg with a story about family song traditions. Many of us grow up singing our family's favorite songs. They can carry a deeper meaning if they're rooted in tradition. For writer Jen Rubin of Madison, she's fortunate to have recordings of her grandmother's songs, tapes that were recently called upon during a family crisis. When I was a kid, we always had shelves filled with blank cassettes. Sony, Memorex, TDK, we had them all. They sat in nice stacks, just laying in wait for me when my grandma called for me to bring her a blank tape and the tape recorder. I dreaded this moment. One minute I was splayed out on the couch watching sitcom reruns, and the next minute I was sitting next to my 75-year-old grandmother and her boyfriend Yaakov, recording them while they sang the Yiddish folk songs. Now, I loved listening to my grandma sing, my grandmother leading our extended family in song during the Jewish holidays as she waved off anyone who tried to harmonize with her when she felt like it was her time for a solo, well, that was the best part of each holiday. But that didn't mean my 11-year-old self wanted her in my living room trying to get me to help her record her songs. 
They would sing a song and I would stop the tape, rewind the tape, listen to their voices and stop the tape. Rewind again, then start the process over. I never understood this. I mean, tape recorders were fairly simple machines in the late 1970s. And these were intelligent people that fled one continent and successfully made their way to another one. At the time, I didn't understand that she didn't really need my help. She wanted me to know the songs of the Jewish diaspora. My grandmother grew up in a shtetl in Russia in the early 1900s. When she was 16, her family fled attacks by the Cossacks and got on a ship to Ellis Island. As a young teenager, her job was to strap a sewing machine on her back, walk miles to town, sew for the Gentile family during the week, and walk home for Sabbath. Family lore has it that it was on those walks that she developed her beautiful singing voice, trading songs with the Russian peasants, returning from the fields and the Jewish and gypsy travelers. My first year living in Wisconsin, I decided not to travel back home for Passover. One night, as I was falling asleep, I realized it would be my first Passover without my grandma leading the songs. I was surprised by how bad that made me feel. I called my mom and asked her to get a tape recorder, sit down with grandma, have her sing the Passover songs, and express mail them to me so grandma could lead the songs at my Seder in Madison. A few years later, my grandmother died. Soon after that, we digitized her tapes. A few months ago, I got one of those texts you dread getting. My mom was in heart failure, intubated in the hospital, and it was touch and go. We all rushed to be with her in the hospital. Heart failure can affect breathing, so it was hard for my mom to talk, but she could text. One night, on maybe her eighth night in the hospital, she texted me. She wanted to know if I could find those digitized recordings of her mom singing. She was scared and in pain and thought it would bring her great comfort to have her mother sing her to sleep. At that moment, so many memories flashed through my mind, but it stuck on my sitting on that shag carpet with my grandmother, holding the Sony tape recorder. And now, 40 years later, those tapes are being called into service. I thought about how my mom had been the culture bearer for the younger generations, so we don't let assimilation remove our Yiddish heritage from our lives. I thought of my mom, frail and alone in a hospital bed, yearning to hear her mother's voice. In a flash of technological finesse I don't usually possess, within minutes, I navigated on my phone to my Google Drive, copied the link to one of the MP4s, and texted my family a recording of Grandma singing. Then we were all silent for a few minutes, in our separate houses, but still together, listening to Grandma sing. Jen Rubin of Madison brought us that story on the Yiddish tapes. Wisconsin Life is a co-production of Wisconsin Public Radio and PBS Wisconsin in partnership with Wisconsin Humanities. Additional support comes from Lowell and Mary Peterson of Appleton. Find more Wisconsin Life at wisconsinlife.org, on Facebook and Instagram. I'm Brad Kohlberg. And that'll do it. Thanks for joining us for Wisconsin Today. I'm your host, Alex Crow. Our producers are John Davis and Bridget Bowden. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts every weekday morning. Of course, don't forget to take the time to leave us a rating and review. Subscribe as well. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday.